Well, good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are and whatever time it is, we welcome you to another edition of Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, hand-rolled cigars, and anything else that happens to be on Ian's mind that particular week. Um, <laughs> my name is Cruz, my co-host is Ian Barry, and we are live at uh, you know, pretty much our favorite place in the world, uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant on Washington Ave in Houston, and we like to come here at least once a month uh, and have cigars, and so we showed up, and boom, the heavens opened up. And yes. it rained like, honestly, living in Houston, Texas, I will tell you, I haven't seen rain like that in, I'm going to say three, four days. At it, least. it was At just least. absolutely pouring. And so they've got like this great area up here at B&B, and you can come up here and have a cigar or have dinner, whatever, in the rain. But I will say, even that has its limitations. When it reaches monsoon uh, proportions, yeah, you can get a little wet up here. Well, so you know we, what happens, we waited too, for it to dry. The rain's not coming straight down, so the right. roof only does so much when the rain's going sideways. This is true, <laughs> and we had us some sideways rain there for a little while. So, so anyway, we dried off a few chairs once the rain had passed, as it often does here in South Texas or Southeast Texas. And uh, so now we're ready to do some smoking and drinking, and that's what the show is all about. B&B Butchers and Restaurant is at eighteen fourteen Washington in Houston, soon to be open in Fort Worth. And in fact, let's go now live to our intrepid reporter, Jeremiah Butler, who's going to give us an update on Fort Worth. What's that? First of all, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Always glad to be here. Uh, so uh, what's going on in Fort Worth? Uh, so right now, um, we, we finally have a, a, a fairly hard open date. So um, right now, basically, we're, we're slated to open November 8th. November 8th. Uh, right. The shops at Clear Fork. So the shop itself just did their big um, grand opening. So we were up there um, in some crazy, weird Fort Worth weather. <laughs> uh, apparently, they have their own set of uh, uh, atmospherical anomalies that go on there. Um, but yeah, so we're 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 getting geared up, and uh, you know, I'm I'm starting to build the, uh, the the liquor list and and all that. So you know, we're getting ready to do it. That must be a fun process, actually, starting from scratch on the liquor list, right? It's absolutely a fun process, and it, it, it's the really fun part for a booze nerd such as myself is you know, like kind of paying attention and learning about different demographical demands and what's popular in different places because you know like like obviously in the corporate world you have very you know hard set menus that every restaurant's the same well for us that will be about 90 92 percent the case but there are certain things you know like for example on my whiskey list uh, i'm fairly sure that it'll be a little more bourbon heavy and american whiskey heavy in fort worth than it is here in houston it's a bit more of a scotch following here right right that makes sense that makes sense. Well, uh, uh, we can't wait to come up, do a show, and uh, oh, it's going to be and, great. Uh, drink at your bar. So that's uh, that's something we are big time looking forward to. Will you be up there for the hard opening? Uh, I probably will be up there quite a bit. Actually, I'm going to start bouncing back and forth. Um, probably starting in the mid 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 October. Uh, I'll be going back and forth quite a bit. Once we get it open, I'll have to go back and forth even more, um, just to get the bar program up and running. Make sure it's consistent. Uh, that's always the challenge when you open a second location. That's uh, that's an exact, you know, replica is making sure that every drink that comes out of your service well, you know, every pour is, is, is you know, because you want you don't want someone that yeah. they come here, you know, you know, twice a month and they're big regulars and they you know they're up in Fort Worth to visit family. Like, oh, I have to take you out to this place and, and have you have this cocktail, and then they taste it and they're like right. this isn't the cocktail this I have in Houston. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and that's so, got to be a little bit difficult too. Just 
keeping all of that. Uh, it, it is actually know. one of the ways that I'm kind of countering it. Uh, something that I just um, decided, Ben and myself, uh, recently in the past few days, is a uh, and uh, as a as a partial beer show. I don't mean any affront with this, but. Uh, so I'm removing all of my draft beers and actually replacing them all with draft signature cocktails. And so mm-hmm. it's a much better accountability for your product. Uh, you don't have any waste, but it also gains like much more speed and consistency because when it's coming out of a keg, every cocktail that comes out is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if I do it in Fort Worth, if I do it here, if I do it in Austin, they're all going to be the same. So that well, is, there's, however, a teardrop in my eye for the draft beer right now. Well, don't worry. We're still going to have a... Very good food-oriented beer selection, but unfortunately, like you know, I just don't move enough in draft. Well, well I, I noticed that that hard opening date is a Wednesday evening, so by Thursday when we do our show, you should have all the kinks worked out, right? Oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah, good. Yeah. We'll look forward to that. Well, I just figured I'd build you guys a cot, and you guys could just come down Wednesday night, and we'll test all the product, and then Thursday we'll do the show. And we'll talk about it, right? <laughs> Thursday when we wake up Thursday at about will be a slow 7 show. p.m., yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, do yeah, the like, show. Like That's you said, Cruz, whatever time it is, wherever you are. <laughs> uh, one of the easiest ways to hear the show now is on TuneIn. If you have the TuneIn app for your mobile phone or uh, you know, I listen to the car on TuneIn all the time. I listen and go, wow, that Ian says some funny stuff sometimes. That guy is crazy. Uh, yeah, he, he's a crazy. little nuts. So uh, so that's something. Uh, check us out. TuneIn.com. You can find us there. It's an easy I, way to listen and, and follow the show. It's I nice actually and easy. use mine uh, on my phone all the time, and mm-hmm. I have a little Bluetooth earpiece, so I'm listening to audio books or whatever, podcasts in my mm-hmm. ear all the time. It keeps my hands free so I can do stuff. It's kind of And nice. now the other thing that we're doing now is that our uh, YouTube channel is open for business. Now, we're not actually shooting video due to the fact that one of our pieces of equipment drowned in the monsoon. I believe monsoon uh, is very much the yes. correct word. Uh, and, and so did my hair. But uh, <laughs> in any case, we'll be, uh, we'll be uh, definitely posting the audio of this on our YouTube channel uh, and some photos from what's going on. And normally we do Facebook Live on the show, and then that will be available on the YouTube channel as well. So that's a new place to start, uh, to start checking us out. So, so Ian, it's been, a, it's been a couple of crazy weeks here in the, the United States of America uh, with, you know, hurricanes and, and, you know, all the fallout and all the after effect from that. does look like the tobacco industry more or less back on its feet. I don't know how it uh, impacts uh, everything else, but the one thing it did just slow down is shipments. Because all the shipping stopped throughout most of the South for a little while. Yeah, we but definitely had problems getting product here. Yeah, I bet you did. Like, uh, even like if you think about the food for the restaurant and stuff, like that's got to get to you from mm-hmm. wherever it is that you guys uh, order it. You don't grow it all up on the roof in yeah. the little garden. For, so. for, fortunately, most of our stuff is coming from the from the Midwest. All of our beef comes from, from Grand Island, Nebraska. So. Right. You're not getting so, a lot of beef out of uh, South Florida. But still, they had to be able to, like, drive down Memorial to get here. So That is a true story. I couldn't drive down Memorial until a few days ago. I no. almost couldn't take that underpass under Memorial today. It was probably a little about halfway up to my knee. During the monsoon, I know. I know. That it's I went crazy. Through. Well, um, we are uh, lighting cigars. In fact, we've already lit cigars uh, here on the show. And so, Ian, why don't you tell me about, uh, about what you're smoking here and what you think so far? I had a friend of mine I went to an event, uh, Blackworks um, Cigar Company, uh, makes these black label trading company cigars. I'm smoking a Deliverance, which is a, <laughs> it looks like a billy club, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's or one of those if you turn it, if you turn it around backwards, it looks like the, the barrel of a uh, cannon. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Um, Don't tread on me. Type of <laughs> yeah, that's come, right. That's come right. And, come and take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 
And uh, and I just fired it up. It had a little bit of a tight draw, so I had to uh, I had to cut it a little further up and poke it a little bit, and then and then squeeze the end to see if I could loosen the tobacco up. And I did actually. I've got a decent draw. It's got a little bit of a uh, little tight on the draw, but not too bad right now. And the initial light on this is good. It's big flavor. I um, this is the third cigar that I've smoked from them. Yeah. Uh, fourth cigar actually, um, and they're all very big flavor. Like I don't know that they make anything less than a big giant Less medium big, to huge, full yeah, yeah. Right. so yeah. this started out uh really nice big kind of uh campfire flavors a little bit of like a bitter mocha on the back of mm-hmm. it. it's really kind of nice so far that's as far as i've gotten how about you well uh, i stole this out of your uh, little cigar case when you weren't looking uh and i think this is from the same cigar it company is, same is it company. not it's the uh, blackwork studio boondock saint uh cigar which okay which is just cool which is just cool because a it's, you know, possibly the best Boston movie ever made. And I lived in Boston for seven years. I don't know, I don't know it, what about The Departed? Uh, the, the Departed was the very Departed. good. And the whole, like, you know, five-season run of Ray Donovan's right up there, too. But even though it takes place in L.A. But if you watch it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but Boondock Saints, not only was it uh, one of the better uh, Boston movies ever made, but it also introduced the world to Norman Reedus, who is uh, on the uh, some show called The Walking Dead. I don't. Know, I hear that. I hear they have. I hear they have some fan followings, and that women kind of are into him. So they may or may not have eaten at B and B. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? They did. Oh, so, wow. so some did, cast members. Yeah, the cast members from The Walking Dead. We, we had dinner with them in the butcher shop. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, what what brought them to Houston? Were they shooting in this uh, area? Or? It was. They were here for the uh, the Comic Con at GRB. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so the cast and of The Norman Walking Reedus Dead did an appearance, that. and so several of their cast members actually came and, and and ate here. That is that's that's pretty awesome. I'm not too starstruck, but that's pretty awesome. For all of those uh, less geeky listeners out there, GRB is the George R. R. Brown Convention Center, and oh, Comic Con is a convention of comics. comics. I think people know what Comic-Con is. Even if they... And, you know, uh, people have asked me about... I, I'm just here as a translator, sir. People have asked me about my <laughs> level of geekiness. And, uh, Ian, this is how I explain it. I'll go to the Star Trek convention, but I won't wear the pointed ears. That's how I... That's where I draw the line. <laughs> that's you know? Blind. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's fair I point. think it does. Okay, we got lots of cigar talk. We got lots of stuff going on in the news, and I haven't even said this yet, but we have an amazing special guest today. Brett Keen from Buffalo Trace Distillery is here, and we're going to be talking to him in the next segment. And actually, may uh, m- my sources tell me he may actually have some Buffalo Trace with him, which is a difficult thing to find, or at least has been. We'll let him explain all of that. That's coming up. Also, <clears throat> stand by, Ian. Hold on to something. All right, I'm holding on. Big news, Taco Bell is talking about dumping their drive throughs and adding spirits. What? I have no words. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about Ian bringing another barley wine. This is crazy. So I could get a taco with like a... Like yeah. A- yeah, it adds, back. adds a whole new meaning <laughs> to fourth Whoever meal. Whoever would have thought whiskey and seven-layer burritos. Yeah, so we'll get to that. <laughs> it's all coming up. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. And uh, thank you, by the way, for joining us for show number 57. We found Buffalo Trace. It's a and b On the beach in Hawaii. 
Welcome back. It is episode number 57 of Smoking and Toasting. My name is Cruz. My co-host is Ian Barry. Hi, y'all. Ian, did I notice you were in a different truck when you pulled up? It looked different to me. No, it's the rain actually washed some of the dirt off of it, so it looks more black than gray. Okay, because I immediately was suspecting you. <laughs> a truck full of Drew Estate cigars was stolen in the Miami oh, area. And I know it's been nothing missing about for that. a month. Yeah. A truck containing tobacco, especial Dolce Robusto, which is the uh, the coffee and milk flavored ones, and the Undercrown Shade Bellicoso, which is a damn good cigar. The Bellicoso is amazing. Which was it was stolen on August the eighth, and uh, so Drew Estates made this announcement to let people know that if somebody tries to sell them like really really cheap. Drew Estate cigars that... I just uh, happen to have 17 boxes yeah. of these Undercrowns. Well... For $9 just, a box. Yeah, I was going to say. I know where you can probably get rid of a few of those, if that, in fact, is you. But I wasn't I wasn't sure. It was hard to see your truck in the rain, and uh, <laughs> I, just, I just wasn't sure. So welcome back to the show, and welcome to our special guest. One of the things we love about uh, doing the show with Jeremiah is he always brings the most interesting guests. And uh, he has uh, brought a gentleman onto the show... From the Houston area, Mr. Brett Keen, and Brett is with the Buffalo Trace Distillery. So, hey, Brett, welcome thanks to the show. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Jeremiah, for including me here. This is uh, this is going to be big fun. So, uh, we're going to talk Buffalo Trace a little bit later in the show, the actual Buffalo Trace whiskey. But your company actually is much bigger than just Buffalo Trace, right? Yeah, the, the Sazerac Company, which started in uh, New Orleans in the 1800s, uh, owns the Buffalo Trace Distillery. and. Numerous distilleries around the country, uh, 1792 down in Bardstown, Kentucky, yes. A. Smith Bowman in Virginia, and uh, we've got a Canadian whiskey operation going on up in Montreal. So before we get to the Canadian whiskey, and I've got several questions about that, but you guys are involved with Blanton's too, right? Yeah, so uh, when we purchased the distillery, uh, it was the early 90s, they mm-hmm. were producing Blanton's there since uh, 1984 when Elmer T. Lee came up with the world's first single barrel bourbon. And we still produce it to this day. I tell you, that's a, just a damn good whiskey. Didn't we have some Blanton's here yes, that was a super have. ultra special only Jeremiah can get his hands on it, Blanton's? Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, Blanton's is typically just Blanton's. Yeah, um, we, I, no, I think uh, we just had Blanton's here. That yeah. might have been uh, Chris Hart that brought the ultra. Oh, rare I think yeah, it probably, was our probably, buddy Chris that sounds Hart. much yes. more. Yes, yeah, I believe it was. Chris Hart likes to bring. You know, I, I want to point stuff. out, I, yeah. out of what you said there, you have two whiskeys that stay on my shelf at all times: it's the Buffalo Trace and the Blanton's. We appreciate like, it. Those yeah. just live on my shelf <laughs> when they're not in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you also are involved with uh, a. Canadian distiller. Yeah. Now, do you guys own it, or is it a... Yeah, a so uh, we've got an operation in Montreal, but we partner with uh, a lot of different distilleries up in uh, Canada, and a lot of people don't realize, but you know, we're uh, a major producer of Canadian whiskey, yeah. and uh, kind of the, going forward, you know, we found that we're known for our small batch bourbon, and starting to do some small batch Canadian whiskeys like the Legacy that we're going to have today. Uh, it's been kind of a fun new approach on, a, on an old style. Now, I was going to say our buddy Jeremiah here has not historically been a big fan of the Canadian whiskeys. It's a true story. This, this, this whiskey actually is the one that it, it changed my opinion of it as a category. Really? And I got very lucky. Brett brought me to a, uh, a blending workshop at Reserve uh, with, uh, with, with, I'll just call him Dr. Mayville because the man is just a mad scientist with whiskeys. 
And, I mean, it really opened my eyes up to what's happening to this as a category. I really think it's going to change what we all think of. And I think over the next couple of years, Canadian whiskey is going to absolutely, like, make its mark on the... That's an interesting thing, because I don't even think of Canadian whiskey. Like, I don't even... Like, it doesn't really even cross my mind that much, you know, in general. Typically, people think of, you know, value. It's just Cuddy Sark and, uh, and, you know, whatever. I have been doing research on this since you guys started talking, Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's the scientific and, one of us. Those are all technical terms. I don't, you know, I don't want to go into this without any experience. And what I found is this tastes better than it smells. And it doesn't smell bad, but it smells one way, and then it has a much sweeter uh, very interesting. Uh, taste to it. Um, it smells very... Very blended whiskey. It smells very whiskey, you know. Um, but when you uh, kind of take a, standard a sip of it, blended whiskey smell. Right, right. Yeah. It just it doesn't smell like anything special. But the flavor is quite good, and the finish on it is unique in that it's a very oaky. It's got a little oaky bitterness to it that you don't expect. It's really nice. Well, and Brad can probably tell you more about that. But that's when when he brought it to me to taste it. That was the first thing that stood out in my mind was that this doesn't taste like Canadian whiskey. And he, he can walk you through more of the process of how it gets that extra oakiness, but it's I a really cool story. Yeah, I just feel like I'm sitting here like a buffoon because I haven't tasted any yet. Like you guys <laughs> hey, are, all, hey, you hey, guys oh. are way ahead. Cheers. So. It's called research, so, so yeah. So research. cheers. I'm gonna, cheers. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go all in here. Uh, this is now. Uh, I was going to say that I know there are some Texas whiskey companies that actually use Canadian whiskey as a part of their blended whiskey, and I know. Uh, I, I know that just from talking to some of the guys that, that do the blending uh, for these companies. And I've had some of it that I've had has been very good, but you don't necessarily think of it the same way that you would think of the single malt or some of the really fine, you know, sort of blended whiskeys that are coming out of some of the small distilleries around uh, the United States. Sure. Uh, especially being here in the hotter temperatures, a lighter whiskey can kind of pair all year round for us. Um, I think that when you have some of those bolder flavors of barrel-proof bourbon, it might not be good on a 100-degree day. But sipping uh, something that's been aged in used casks, like a Canadian whiskey, is a little bit lighter on the palate, a little bit more refreshing in the heat. Now, this has a really wonderful finish. I know you said that already, but yeah. I just wanted to echo. Uh, what I love about the finish is there's really kind of two finishes. There's that first one. And then you go, oh, that's nice. And about the time you think, oh, that's nice, like here comes the second one, and it's even more complex. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's nice. Now, um, is this? Tell me, is this um, one of how? How long have you guys been involved with Legacy? Is this a newer product? Yeah, or? it's a newer product in the last couple of years. Now we're doing it in very small batches. Uh, Drew Mayville, who's our master blender of everything that we do, uh, oversees this project. So. Every product that you get from Buffalo Trace, Drew Mayville's in charge of quality control over and, and blending those barrels together. So this has been kind of a, a little uh, smaller project, Then we're rolling out state by state slowly as we have juice to, to make it right. I, I don't want to oversimplify things, but what is the difference between a guy like that, Jeremiah's calling him a genius and Dr. Mayville, uh, and maybe somebody who... You know, does it, but isn't quite as good at it. Like, what does no. what does he have? He's got a nose. A no- it's it's all in the nose. It's a lot in the nose. Nose, the nose, nose, nose. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, and the palate. And I mean, there's no substitute for experience. I mean, one of the things that I learned, and I'm sure Brett can attest to this, is, is as you go through your years and you get farther and farther down the whiskey rabbit hole, 
exposing your palate to more and more things. You know, whether they be good, whether they be bad, whether they're first fills or heads and tails or hearts or aged or unaged. Like the, the more that your palate experiences, the 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 more that you become adept, and that's what I think. What makes Drew so good at blending is that his palate is just so experienced. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's not. He doesn't have the same palate as like. You know, like a David Pickrell, who's like a like a like a wood and age guy, who's all about like how did the tannin and vanillin and eugenol affect it? You know, Mayville is is all about how do I put these together? I, I have a vision, and how do I get that vision to to come to fruition through blending multiple whiskeys, not adding a neutral grain spirit, yeah. not adding coloring. Right. You know, really blending whiskeys. And I think that's kind of what separates Legacy apart. I mean, it, it, it literally replaced one of the purple bags on my shelf. Like that's, wow. he's a he's one a of the purple bags. Don't know he, what you mean there. A chemist by training, <laughs> but he's an artist. And right. blending is truly an art form. Um, if I were to call him an alchemist, would he take that as a compliment or as, a, as an insult? <laughs> Probably a, like a compliment. Probably a compliment. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of how I think of an alchemist. You know, like right. like somebody who's got a little bit of, little bit of science and, and actual, like, you know, real grounded earth stuff, but then has this sort of... No, knows what two teaspoons of, of I have Newt will do to it. That's right. Also, That's exactly I right. want them to have beakers, and I want them to have a machine that just makes bubbles and one that goes bang. Yes. <laughs> I think that well, could be arranged. I, I assure you Mayville has beakers. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's got one that goes bang, too. One goes I wouldn't bang. be surprised. You mentioned that uh, some of the Buffalo Trace barrels... Mm-hmm. Uh, get repurposed and used again. Uh, is this a case where that happens? Absolutely. So when uh, we make bourbon or straight rye whiskey, we can only use a barrel once right. and by law. So we really believe in the product that went in there the first time. So keeping some of those barrels for ourselves to make another product um, just kind of makes a great second life for those barrels. Out of curiosity, if you were to use the barrel again, it's not. It's not illegal to do it. It's just that then you just can't call it bourbon, right? It can't be bourbon, right? Yeah. You have to change the label. So, what yeah. would it be if you use it again? It would just American. be it's whiskey, American yeah. whiskey, American right. whiskey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, whereas we're sending these barrels up to Canada and making Canadian whiskey with them. Very wow. interesting. Well, and uh, the Canadians, they're okay with these American barrels coming up. Oh, they're <laughs> they're using them a lot up there. The, the American barrel invasion. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. Pretty much all whiskey at some point. I mean, even Scotch spends time in American oak. I mean, that's, that's, that's it's a traditional. one of the most beautiful developments in Scotch. Oh, absolutely. Ever. Well, and, and and like the great thing with them, you know, with with with, uh, with Sazerac is they have that you know Buffalo Trace they have so many barrels on their own that it, yeah. it can create their own little system. It's not like a, you know like a Jim Beam Glen Morangy relationship where it's like they have to buy these. So if Jim Beam produces less, Glen Morangy has less options. Right. Like that. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, you mentioned, uh, first of all, I want to uh, say that this is pairing beautifully with the cigar I'm smoking. Mm, agreed. So I want to talk yeah. about that in our next segment. Uh, but you also mentioned that it pairs well with certain beers, and you may have even yeah. brought a beer along. I did. All right. So we'll get to that coming up uh, in the next segment. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. That's where we are today, and we're uh, smoking and toasting. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Oh, Ian, you messed it up. See, it was supposed to be welcome back, and then the sound of the beer opening. I got it in there. To sm- well, okay. All right. It just wasn't the it, smoothest. It, it wasn't. Well, you know. That's what happens, folks, when you use live sound effects. We're not like 
some of those other shows that use that was not canned side effects. Sound effect. No, it was canned, but not. Well, I, I, exactly I do know like that, that back at the studio, a very very high tech little red machine. Yes, for well, your sound again, effects. That that's is. that's the way we roll. It's the high tech red machine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is for you, Jeremiah. Taco Bell has a plan. Get rid of drive-throughs and start serving alcohol. Now, I I suppose that one has to go with the other. Because unless you're in Louisiana, drive-thrus and alcohol generally don't <laughs> mix, right? Well, actually, there is a, there is a drive-thru margarita shop there just is. down the street from us on Washington at Washington and Durham. So right. that's so not uh, well, we're you close know. to Louisiana. So I maybe think you can drive through Taco Cabana and get there. Uh, yes, drink. but that is a wine margarita. It does not oh. actually have, oh, to, okay. my, to my understanding, it does not have actually like distilled spirit in it. Well, wineandfood.com reports that within the next five years, Taco Bell, famous for its slogan, Think Outside the Bun, uh, plans to open between 300 and 350 cantina-style locations that will not have drive throughs These new locations, mostly in major urban areas, will serve beer, wine, sangria, and twisted freezes with tequila, rum, and vodka. So... You won't necessarily be able to go up and go, yeah, I'd like a pack of, like, six crunchy tacos and some legacy blended Canadian whiskey. But you can say, Give it time. yo quiero cerveza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? All, there's always at least one every show. Always at least one. I have no words for uh, this. You know, this, this uh, of course, Taco Bell is known as being a late-night place. I mean, that's that's when <laughs> when you go to Taco Bell, when you've been out enjoying some fine legacy blended Canadian whiskey and you're like, I, I'm going to have to have something to eat before I go to bed. Aren't they the one that has a munchie box that's only served like after 9 and you're not sure what's I'm, in it I'm, until I'm they pre- give it to I'm you? pretty sure it's only between like 4.15 and 4.25. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think you may be right. Uh, a, know your demographic is what I'm saying. They're known for multi-layered cheesy beef filled burritos and uh, these new ones will have open kitchens Artworks and digital menu boards, in addition to the uh, you know the spirits Man, and beers I, and I am, I am perennially blown away by the innovations of Taco Bell. Yep, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Nashville, and New York will be the first to have these. They're planning to open fifty of them we in Manhattan. To, we need to celebrate this. They're actually moving their entire menu up to six ingredients now. One of them being alcohol. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think it's Jim Gaffigan talks about that. He was a waiter at a Mexican food restaurant, and he says people ask, "What's in nachos?" Oh, it's it's uh, tortillas with uh, cheese, meat, and vegetables. What's enchiladas? <laughs> tortillas with cheese, meat, and vegetables. <laughs> it's all the same thing. Well, that's, that's Tex-Mex. It's yeah. just how do you rearrange how do you rearrange the five ingredients? Well, we are uh, really thrilled to have Brett Keen from Buffalo Trace Distillery uh, with us today. He has brought. A wonderful bottle of this legacy blended Canadian whiskey, and I didn't ask you this, but uh, if I'm buying a bottle of that in the uh, in the store, what's that? What's that going to cost? You're me? looking from uh, twenty to twenty-two dollars retail. No way, absolutely! Wow, this does not drink like a twenty-two dollar whiskey. No, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, not at all. Like that's good bang for the buck. And after doing some research with this um, with this whiskey and beer 
because I've already been doing the research now. <laughs> um, this really does pair well. You're, Notice yeah, how Ian can correct. never wait for the segment to actually get there. It's he always, research. <laughs> it's not impatient. Well, he doesn't want to go into the it's segment unprepared. You know, it's very technical. What's going on here? Yes, yes, of Look. course it is. So you brought us a beer that we are uh, sampling along with, alongside. The Legacy Blended Canadian Whiskey. Which beer is this? So this is Buffalo Bayou's Don't Fear the Ripa, uh-huh. the Rye IPA from Buffalo Bayou. I really like those guys. They really put some great beer together. Shout out to Troy. Yes, this yeah. is this is this is really good stuff. And so I haven't tried this with with the beer yet, but you have Ian. That, well, I have. I just want to point out on the uh, on the label it says Don't Fear the Ripa. It says dank, resiny, bright citrus hops and a dry pepper finish. Which, by the way, uh, when you have Ooh. the whiskey with it, I've had this beer before. It's it's pretty good. Uh, when you have the um, whiskey with it, it really brings out that citrus hops like big yes. time right up More front. More so than because yeah. I've had this beer before and I like it, but I've not noticed it being quite as citrusy. It almost tastes it like now. like a summer seasonal kind of at that point. You know, well, I, I think they actually bring out things for both. Like yeah. I feel like the beer itself, like. When you go back to the whiskey, you get so much more of that sort of cocoa-y, figgy, like kind of developed flavor. Yeah, the darker fruits. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's like a yin and yang. It's like like one is bright and one is sort of mysterious. So I was you know ask, what, though? It doesn't interrupt that oak finish, though. No. no. I was going to ask Brett, but you guys have pretty much answered it. Which do you like better, going from the whiskey to the beer or vice versa? And the trick, I think, is one, two, three. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, like... Inside of the six recipes that go into Legacy, rye is used in a couple of different ways. And you don't always pick that up on the palate, but after I have this rye IPA and that's kind of lingering in my uh, my mouth and I take a sip of the whiskey, I'm starting to pick out some of those spicier characteristics of the whiskey, too. How long does this whiskey stay in the barrel? So in Canada, it's a minimum of three years by law. Uh, we're looking for older whiskeys as, as well. Though. So from three to six, uh, we're blending it together. And... We were talking uh, a little bit about this during the break, and I, I want to ask you um, um, about the ways to keep things consistent because you were telling me uh, during the break, Jeremiah, about how you went up to taste these uh, whiskeys to decide which one to bring the barrel back from Hudson Yeah, from, from Hudson, yeah. Yeah, and that one barrel next to the other one, there were huge differences, and some of these were only... Like an hour apart. Yeah. Right? So, so when they when they start to you know fill barrels out of the the still and things like that, or, or start to blend them, put them together, things like that. Like, like I mean, y- you're looking at like one of these barrels was maybe an hour difference out of the same batch of barrels, and I mean it was drastically different. So, uh, and that's what makes and, and kind of like where where we led the conversation was that's what makes a guy like True Mayville and a product like Legacy or some of the stuff they do at Sazerac so special is that they have such a broad store at inventory that to be able to just, like, sit down, I mean, because I'm sure he t- he'll taste through 30 of them. And to have a vision, like, I, I, I'm sorry, it, it, my vision was blurred tasting through six. I can't imagine mm-hmm. tasting through 30 and still having a clear and concise vision of where I wanted my whiskey to end up. And of the whiskey people I know, you, you'd be, like, one of my top five best palates. Easy. Yeah, I mean, it's, mine's, you know not, mine's not bad. It's, yeah. but, but again, it's just experience. You know, I've just tasted through so many good, bad, mediocre, exceptional, you know. And, and you know, I, I, at this point, again, like I said, I, I would let Brett kind of expound. But I think that's one of the great things about the project that became Legacy is just that art form really came to fruition. 
You know, overall, everything that we do, uh, we're, we're curious. And we set out um, years back to do the Single Oak Project at Buffalo Trace, where we took different trees from different parts of the forest and made barrels out of the top half of the tree and the bottom half of the tree. Wow. And from there, we were able to learn how where the tree grows in the forest and the, the ages of the cooperage, how that impacts the whiskey later on. And when you get a, a barrel of whiskey today, like 31 to 33 different staves go into making that barrel, and they can come from 31 to 33 different trees. So sister barrels distilled on the same day could taste very different, even if they slept next to each other in the warehouse. So if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to make a barrel out of it, does it make a sound? <laughs> Not a good sound. Not, Not a good, good sound. Yeah. I don't know. The real question at the end of that is, can we, can we drink and, and mourn that, ba- that yes, tree? and mourn the tree, yes. <laughs> so let me ask you this. With a blended whiskey like Legacy, and with, like Jeremiah is talking about how different these whiskeys were that were an hour apart. Yes. How do you, how does your distiller even come close to staying consistent? The well, art form and the years of experience, you know, uh, going into it when you're grabbing barrels of different recipes and different ages, you kind of have a good idea at your starting point. And you start putting it together, and then it's that art form of what needs a little bit more sweeter barrels, or more spicier barrels, more oakier barrels, uh, more of the corn whiskey components, more of the rye whiskey components. It's just that art form. Because I'm betting every bottle of this I buy is going to taste exactly the same. That's the goal. And that was the beauty of the workshop that I went to with with Drew Mayville was that he really sort of like broke down what goes into doing that. And that's one of the things that's important, you know, a guy like Drew Mayville, like, and he'll tell you straight up, like, he's not a distiller. You know, you, you look at like a, like a David Stewart from Balvenie, it's a whole different art form. Mm-hmm. And so, like, for example, one of the, the big differences from, for what I tasted versus what this is, is, you know, I went to pick out a single barrel. Whereas if I was to say, well, I, I want a Hudson whiskey that's a proprietary B&B blend, they, I would go through and take several barrels, then blend them, and say, okay, this is the blend that I like, 30% of this barrel, 40% of this barrel, right, and that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, they're doing this on a much more intense and drastic scale. I mean, he, you know, and then producing. I mean, not mass producing, but producing enough to put on shelves all over the country. And, and that's well, and that's a huge advantage they have is that you know, Buffalo Trace as a distillery has just such a gloriously large inventory. Right. There's no substitute for that. That's what makes, like for example, the purple bag. We won't even say the name, but you know what makes them? They're consistent. Because they use like a neutral grain spirit and a bunch of coloring to just create this consistency. They're it's not actually important. blending the whiskeys. It's important to talk about like some of the negative feelings about Canadian whiskey comes from this law passed in 1963 to make Canadian whiskey competitive in the U.S. Canadian whiskey had to be three years old. So they created a rule where that 9% of what goes into that bottle could be not Canadian whiskey. And they started putting in fortified wine and neutral grain spirit uh, in order to basically be more competitive on the price point mm-hmm. here in the United States where uh, American blended whiskeys will have up to 80% vodka in them and they have to indicate it on the label Canadian whiskey doesn't indicate that 9% now with Legacy we're just blending whiskey together it's just whiskey and it's all whiskey, whiskey. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a huge thing to note so I'm starting to understand then why this has such a complex and refined sort of taste to it yeah I totally get it there's a lot going on I little totally get it well it marries really, really well with the uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, which is the rye IPA from Buffalo uh, Bayou Brewing Company. And it's also still just 
killing me with this Boondock Saint cigar. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I, I feel like now with the Don't Fear the Ripper, I should be smoking a Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> uh, for you music nerds out there, that was a joke for you. And we will be back. Uh, on that note, we will be back uh, to do a little more beer tasting. I haven't uh, told you about this, Ian, but I have brought with us today a Dogfish Head Palo Santo Morone Wood Age Brown Ale that I brought all the way back from someplace that I'm not legally allowed to ship it from, and we'll be tasting it next. Wow. Welcome back. We are Smoking and Toast and brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And uh, what's the address going to be in uh, in Fort Worth? I honestly am embarrassed. I don't know. Well, but you know the, it, shopping shopping center. Center. the shops at Clear Fork. Shops at Clear Fork. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's where to find it. And uh, look for it, what, right around the beginning of December? Uh, November 8th. November right 8th. Now I'm is sorry. Our tentative open day. November uh, 8th. I, I do say hedge your bets on that because it might actually be November 15th. You know, restaurant openings that. are tricky, but mm-hmm. right now we're slated for November 8th. Kind of like when I file my taxes. It's supposed to be the 15th, but wait a second. I didn't really say that just now, did I? Uh, okay. Wait, wait, Pause for taxes? sound effect. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. I nailed so that one. we are uh, really enjoying show number fifty-seven. There's so much to talk about, and it seems like every time we go to break, we start having uh, yeah, this a really, really been interesting a good, conversation. Good and I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. We got to we got to talk about that on the air. You can go there. Oh, you can go there. Uh, in the meantime, though, we are pouring the next beer. I brought this one uh, back, or, or should I say, uh, had someone ship it back for me, uh, quasi legally, uh, from uh, Delaware. When I was there, Dogfish Head is located that in is Delaware. Mysterious and that's where their headquarters is. And this beer is the Dogfish Head Palo Santo Marone Wood Aged Brown Ale. And I was all excited to bring this back to you, Ian. And then you told me in, during the break. I'm sorry, actually, I didn't mean to pop your bubble had on this that. Before. I've had was, this before. It's amazing. Yeah. It pretty much tastes like you're chewing on an oak stave. Uh, it's chewing on what? An oak stave. Wow. With wow. some sweetness to it. It is certainly dark and mysterious <laughs> in the glass. <laughs> it, is, it is dark. You cannot see through this. This Ooh. is this makes stouts look light. Wow. Talk about viscosity. Yes. It's, now, it's a big mouth feel. It's, you know, it, it's almost a barley wine. This would be number two or three on the viscosity scale of things we've tasted. Not... Not to outdo the one you brought that had chunks in it. I still will never forget <laughs> yeah, no, that. Th- this is about like the viscosity of like whole milk. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Um, it's like it's, it's deep, full in the mouth. It definitely got like rich that, that, caramel, oak stave, it's leather, tobacco. Now, now this, now that I've, I've switched cigars to a Padron, and this is just—I mean, it's they're, they're singing together. This has so many different things going on in it: the uh, the chocolatey, the the dark vanilla flavors, the. Oh, Did nuts. you say leather a minute ago? Yeah, I would go with a little, 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 little saddle oil kind of quality. So yeah. I want to come back to this beer, but I didn't. We didn't ask you about the cigar that you opened up the show smoking, Jeremiah. This is a very interesting stick you had. It, it really was. So it's a Golafina from Jamaica, and it's actually a vintage stick. Uh, my buddy, and this would be a shameless plug. His name is Jonathan Fiant. Uh, cigars by Jonathan. He's rare and vintage cigars. The guy's amazing. Um, but he gave this to me as a gift, and I was trying to save it. I, I told you, Cruz, I was trying to save it, but my humidor is not really equipped 
you know, I've got a very modest humidor, you know, because I <laughs> smoke my sticks fairly quickly. Um, so I decided to break it out and very even, but very ethereal. I mean, it had like these in the beginning. It had these honey notes. It, it for for a cigar from like 1970 something. It burned really evenly, like just a very consistent, just sort of light. Uh, I would almost liken it like uh, to an avo. I'd like mm-hmm. to clarify that when you say a vintage cigar, you're not talking about a vintage seed or anything like that. Like, you see a lot of them that are labeled vintage. Or the vintage series. Or the yeah, vintage no, series. No, no, no. This, this is this... actually a cigar that was hand-rolled in the 70s. Yes. That he's kept. Like, he he, 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 kept. he goes and handpicks a lot of humidors and brings them to the secondary market. Um, I, I believe, again, Seamus Plug will probably try and have him on the show if I can Great. swing that. And, and I have to say, sometimes when you have an older cigar, if it's a little dried out or whatever, if you are patient and you leave it in the humidor, now there are people who will say, no, no, once it's dried out, it's done, you can't ever revive it. But I've had actually pretty good luck taking an older cigar that someone's given me that's been kicking around for whatever in a box or in a plastic bag and put it in my humidor, let it sit there. And I'll be patient, six months. Yeah, I agree. You know, let it sit there and absorb. About 70% of the time, it's a good smoking cigar. Yeah. Sometimes they fall apart. But most of the time, it actually works. Yeah. Well, and this one is—it's kind of out of my normal flavor wheelhouse. I tend to like—I'm kind of like you, and I like the bigger, more Maduro-driven, big, dark, mean. But this one, it, especially considering the the Don't Fear the Ripper and the Legacy, as far as pairing, was perfect. Like nice. you, you really got like the baking spice notes, and it really helped the rye and the whiskey and and. And the rye and the IPA and the oak and the whiskey, like it was, it was a really good sort of melding of the minds. Now, Brett, you're more of a uh, uh, newbie, you said, is when it comes to smoking cigars. Yeah, I'm, I'm fresh to cigars, thanks to the guys down at the Man Cave uh, coming down and tasting whiskey with Friends them. Friends we love them. Yeah. And I uh, got a good group down there on Friday nights that uh, get together and they do bottle shares and, and smoke cigars. But I'm sorry to hear this week that uh, Man Cave is going to be no more. Uh, and when that. is that happening? Is that soon? I, I heard Saturday. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was such a great place. It was a great room. To gather. And, and the, there's a lot of great places to smoke. That was a great place to gather yeah. and Indeed. smoke. Yeah? yeah. It just I, had that I going imagine uh, Downing Street and the Man Cave will be hanging out in, in Valhalla. Well... Downing Street, don't get me started. Well, by the way... Uh, we're going to have to figure out where Alan is because we're going to miss him. Well, for yes. any Downing Street people, I actually, uh, I've recently hired Dave Mascari, um, the 15-year bartender and whiskey guy, uh, is actually now bartending here at B&B. That's nice. great. So That's if, great. You, if you'd like to come and have a stick and have a whiskey with Dave Mascari, please, by all means, he's for, here. Our, for our friends who are in other cities, let me give you just a little background on uh, Downing Street. Downing Street was a cigar bar of some note. A very nice place, very upscale place. They had a for a cigar bar had one of the best cigar bar humidors. Oh, it was nice. that I've oh, seen. Beautiful. It walk was big, in, beautiful huge. walk in, and they had really a great and varied uh, selection, as you would expect. They weren't the cheapest cigars in town, but that, yeah. that's never going to be the case when you're at a cigar bar. And a right. great staff, though. They had a great staff. They knew their stuff, and you could go there and smoke all the time. But when they passed. The cigar, uh, the no smoking laws for indoor spaces in the city of Houston, these guys somehow, I don't know how they did it. I don't even think I want to know. They got <laughs> grandfathered, yes. and you could still smoke there. I When I moved back to Houston eight, nine years ago, I almost moved into a place across the street from there just to be close so I <laughs> right. could go over there and smoke. And a couple of years ago, they sold the place. The people they sold it to 
made it non-smoking. The only establishment like that where you could get, you know, beer, spirits, wine, food. Well, we talked about that on on an earlier episode about the the rest in peace for Downing Street. Oh, my God. And and then these people were so stupid, they continued to call it Downing Street. So everybody that went there to smoke turned around and walked back out. And people that didn't want to go to a place where you could smoke never even tried it. That's marketing 101, folks. I'm sorry. Forgive my rant. Well, and, no, and take those okay. grandfathered licenses and run with them because oh they're not going to be God, made. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. What would that? What is that worth? I mean, oh, absolutely. That's crazy. Well, I mean, even now at B and B, I mean, there's people that come come in to the to the patio where we're sitting, and we'll we'll be. Like, I, I didn't know you could still smoke. Well, actually, technically, like if you look at the laws, there are certain ways. And so here at B and B, one of the things we did was we worked within them and. Mm-hmm. It was very important to us to provide a place that people could still smoke cigars. You this have set up so stellar. Yeah, you've set up such a great space up here because and it's we covered. We have a walk-in humidor, but we do have a humidor. You do have a humidor, and it's it's very appropriately stocked with just the yeah. right things. Yeah, thank you for the yeah. guys at Stokies, Jacob, and all those guys. They they help us keep it very very. Um, it's not a lot of sticks, but it's a really good selection. Yes, yes. it is. You can you can nice well right. there's, and, yeah, and there, some there's real, JD, there's varsity, real gems in there. Yeah. Number one draft picks. You know. <laughs> Some real gems in there. This um, this beer to it's go back to the uh, dogfish head is just getting better and better. The more I sip it, it's getting better and better while I pour my second little uh, taster yes, of it. Yeah. And wow, uh, what I'm really really want to compliment the cigar uh, that Ian gave me or that I took from Ian's humidor, uh, the Boondock Saint from Blackworks, because it paired well. With the whiskey right off the bat with the legacy. Beautiful. Then it paired well with the Don't Fear the Reaper from Buffalo Bio. And now in a completely different way, it's pairing beautifully with this dogfish head, Palo Santa Maron. Wow. Wow. This, this beer is, screams smoke a cigar. Yeah, yeah. it really does. Yeah. And Not a lot of beers scream it. This flavor, beer screams smoke a cigar. The flavor just kind of fits around the cigar. And I'm smoking the... Um, the uh, Deliverance, that was odd flavor, it's tapered, so it's getting smaller and smaller, and it's getting more and more intense. So it's kind of nice that we went to a more intense beer, because it really it really kind of picks up to the level of the cigar here. Absolutely. So in our final segment, I want to mention that the uh, uh, the waitress here at B&B has brought us out a round of uh, Buffalo Trace whiskey. We've never so. called a waitress before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was you that carried it out. Hey, I, I thought... I, yeah, I was looking. I go, man. They used to have some really, I don't want to really see them beautiful in a waitresses, and I'm not sure they kept that up. But that was you, so we'll we'll let it we'll let it slide. So we have we have Buffalo Trace whiskey that we're going to sample, and then I was so excited to find a bomber of Stone Brewing's Farking Wheaton <gasps> Woot Stout. Stone Farking Wheaton. Woot Stout 2017. Say that three times. Uh, yeah, I probably no, no. Probably actually, won't first do you well. have to take a shot of Legacy and then say yeah. it three times. Well, <laughs> we may have to try that uh, because the Woot Stout is. I haven't I haven't tasted it, but it's supposed to be like it. It's it's got a little bit of a Legacy. I've of its never own researched going this one on either. to borrow the term. So you'll be researching it shortly as we get into well, our like, final. Since I've been segment. doing this show, I just I just refer to my drinking and cigar smoking as research now. Mm-hmm. It's. You know, you know, I don't even do this show very often. I do the same thing. And Product by the knowledge. way, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Product knowledge. Product, Product knowledge. knowledge yes. I like that. That's important, especially doing what you do. Absolutely. Product knowledge. So all of that to come, plus great news that the cigar-friendly bill 
has passed the House of Representatives, and uh, so we'll bring you up to speed on that. Has to pass the Senate now, but great steps forward for premium cigars. We'll get to that coming up as we continue with show number 57, Smoking and Toasting, live from B&B Butchers in Houston on Washington Ave. We'll be right back. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toast in our final segment. We have a lot of ground to cover, so let me just say, first of all, encouraging news in the cigar industry's fight against the FDA. The U.S. House of Representatives has passed the bill that would prevent the Food and Drug Administration from using its funds to regulate the premium cigar industry. So this is, uh, of course, something that has no direct impact unless... It also passes the Senate and is signed by the President. But it was uh, a positive development for the cigar industry. We've been talking about this for a long time. These new regulations are understandable for machine-made cigars and, and things like that, but they are definitely not appropriate for premium cigars. And so we're, we're excited to announce that. Also, if you've punched anyone in the face recently, and Jeremiah just laughs, like maybe, there, maybe there's a story there. Um, there is a whiskey for that. Uh, during There's the, a whiskey for that? During the filming of Blade Runner 2049, the sequel to the famous movie Blade Runner, Harrison Ford, who returns in this movie, wound up accidentally punching Ryan Gosling in the face. Harrison says Ryan's face was not where it was supposed to be during <laughs> the scene, but he did like land a pretty good blow on Ryan Gosling's face. So... He brought Ryan a bottle of scotch to apologize. Nice move. He can afford it. Classy. Yeah, classy yeah. move. Well, no, now, through many of my years of whiskey experience, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it's ever been his face wasn't where it should have been. Yeah, I don't know. If the whiskey was good enough, I might let Harrison Ford punch me in the face. <laughs> you know? Just depends on how good the whiskey is, right? Well, now there's a special branded whiskey that he can give to Ryan Gosling the next time this happens, and you can buy it as well. The real tie-in is that in the original Blade Runner from 1982, there's a scene uh, where Descartes gets called into his boss Bryant's office, and the men share shots of Johnny Walker Black Label, and they talk about a new case and blah, 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 while hoping to capitalize on the nostalgia and the Harrison Ford Ryan Gosling punch. Um... They are releasing at Johnny Walker a new limited edition run of their signature whiskey in a fancy schmancy futuristic bottle that appears in the new film. It's called the Director's Cut, and <laughs> it's perfect should you happen to smash anybody in the face. Subtitle Johnny Walker, A Punch in the Face. Or you could just get him a bottle of Legacy Blended Canadian Whiskey. Mm. They'll like it better, and uh, you'll be... More easily forgiven. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Thank you for that. And, and it's probably a lot cheaper, too. And, uh, I'm looking at the base of this bottle. I'm pretty sure if you're going to smash somebody with, with the whiskey bottle, I think the legacy bottle might have a little more... Uh, <clears throat> well, yeah. All right, might gentlemen, have a more gentlemen pause it. for sound effect. Oh, here we go. Ooh, I think that one was good. Yeah. I think we liked that one. I'm this- not really that clumsy, but I like to have the clack, clack, clack go on so you can hear what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when I used to do phone hang-up sound effects back when I did a morning zoo show back in the 80s. You would always, like, clatter the phone around a little before it finally rested in the cradle. You know, clackety-clackety-clack. I'm sorry, I don't know so why So much more effective that. than just pushing yeah. the red button. Oh, sure, exactly. So we're about to sample, and wow, this beer 
makes that last um, All right. dogfish want, head look light colored want, by comparison. <laughs> I want to point something out. You guys make fun of me for bringing big beers, but uh, the last beer that we tried that you brought was 12%. Yes. This one, not to be outdone, is 13%. Well, that's right. That's why I saved it for last. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if I stuck a spoon in this glass, it might stick straight up. Okay, so apparently, yes, I'm thinking. <laughs> it definitely looks like the trucker coffee of wow. beers. So <laughs> this beer is the Stone Farking Wheaton Woot Stout 2017. It is a collaboration of Drew Curtis from Fark.com. He's the creator. Will Wheaton, the actor. Will Wheaton? Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Uh, he was in Stand By Me and Star Trek The Next Generation. And Greg Cook, the CEO and founder or co-founder of Stone Brewing. They collaborated on this beer. And four years ago, they released the first one. Uh, their press release on this says, It's been four years since this otherworldly stout burst out of our collective proverbial chests. Four years since this primarily Alien viscous reference. first release ooze snaked across the galaxy. So, this is something they take pretty seriously at Stone. And the bottle art, I just want to point out, being a, uh, a bit of a, uh, a nerd myself, is uh, done by famous comic book artist Walt Simonson, who drew Superman for many years, and Amazing. I think he did a run uh-huh. on Batman as well. So, uh, so, this is a really serious stout. Wow, it is. Wood stout. Oh, yeah. Of course, you've already done the research. Of course. <laughs> Leave it to Ian. Well, I have to do something while you're talking. So, first thoughts, Ian. <laughs> so, first thoughts are, wow, this is huge. Yeah. This is a stout that definitely earns its name. The mouthfeel is even bigger than the Palo Santo Maron. Yeah. Um, it's even darker than the Palo Santo Maron, and I like that one, too. This is not a Guinness. This, you don't... Uh, and it's barely carbonated. There's is almost no carbonation. The small amount of head that it has on it is darker than most beers. Wow, serious um, <laughs> caramel. Yeah, serious caramel. Lots of uh, lots of uh, uh, lots of that. Lots of oak flavor. Lots of um, that dark, uh, almost raisiny kind of flavor going yes. on in there. This is outstanding. This is almost in the um, flavor profile of your. Oh, no, I would, I would buy this all day long. This yeah. is delicious. If it and wasn't, I don't know how much that bottle was. It's a $10 yeah, bottle. Yeah, yeah, at least. That's, that's not bad. But i got to say, I would. That, this is amazing. This, this beer had me so confused, I just smelled the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not actually kidding with that. Like, <laughs> no, this is amazing. It's Brent, when it comes to beers, dark. do you do a lot of these uh, more intense, darker beers? Or are you more this is of my a, favorite style. Really? Uh, uh, especially anything using a bourbon barrel age, I think. Uh, you just made your beer better by using and, that uh, bourbon barrel. And doesn't it say on the label of this that a quarter of the beer, it says quarter barrel age. What does that it mean? It says straight up right here, it says ale brewed with pecans, you can taste that, yes. wheat and rye, and then one quarter aged in bourbon barrels. So that means what? Component of barrel aged beer and component of fresh beer blended together. It's that art that they're showing off in their beer. So a quarter of what's in this bottle came from a... A barrel-aged group, and then three-quarters is the the fresh beer. That's my understanding. And I just have to say, this leaves an aftertaste like a a really badass bitter chocolate 
yeah. with pecan. With pecans, and well, this and, and is and so it's, good. It's not like one of those pecan porters where you can get the shells. Like this is actual like <laughs> meat yeah. pecan. Yeah, like no, this is a very round for for as intense as it is. It's a very round beer. Really? I would, yeah, I was just going to say for as much viscosity as it has, it's actually very drinkable. Like yeah. it's not a, it's not something where you go. Wow, I, and I realize it's thirteen percent. So, there's no, but be a you limit don't taste that thirteen. No, you de- you definitely do not. You which know, makes it a very dangerous. So good, and it's smooth. 13%. It's got an almost creamy kind of mouthfeel because it's very light uh, carbonation, and that the bitter finish is more reminiscent of like a cold brew coffee. Yeah, yeah, at the very end. much. And uh, it's great it's, beer. It's got some coffee flavor to it, but it doesn't come across like a coffee stout or coffee Not at all. Yeah. But, 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 but I agree with what he said. The mouthfeel on this is very much that nitro cold brew yeah. on your on your actual tongue. It's really nice. You'll notice I'm keeping this bottle close to me because I'm going to drink the rest yes, of this. I actually. knew I was going to make you happy with this one. <laughs> you can mock me all you want for the high alcohol content, but well, I knew you were going to love it. Hey, you didn't bring an IPA today. I didn't. Uh, you didn't bring a barley wine. But, I didn't bring barley hey, wine. But, but we all have a shot of Buffalo Trace in front of us. Well, and this is how I wanted to kind of close the show because uh, Buffalo Trace has gotten such an amazing reputation across the last several years especially for being... A, an amazing whiskey for the price, and B, really hard to find because it's an amazing whiskey for the price. Is it still hard to find? Is that getting better? We're start- it's starting to get better this past year. Um, we're catching up. We're building two warehouses uh, a year going forward to age wow. more bourbon. Uh, but we gotta. Once we build that new warehouse, we're gonna have to wait eight to ten years to be able to turn some of those barrels into Buffalo Trace. Well, that's the thing. If you're doing whiskey and it's, it's going to be part. aged a certain amount of time, whatever that time is for the particular whiskey, and your brand gets really hot, yeah, you can't respond for several years. Not mm-hmm. without compromising quality, and we're just not going to do that. Right. I, that's the coolest thing about. Uh, about the distillery. It's like, we'll catch up when we get there, but we're not going to sacrifice quality in order to put younger whiskey or just change the profile in any way. Quick story on this. Uh, my older brother is in town. My older brother, um, if you want to picture him, is very much like Sam Elliott. That's just kind of what he is. He looks like a little bit like that, and Does he, he acts sound a like lot. Him? Yeah, because a little that's bit. Like the greatest sometimes voice ever. A little bit. Bar, sometimes. So anyway, I'm hanging out with him at Reserve <laughs> 101. He was in town for a convention. I'm hanging out with him at Reserve 101, and we had a few different drinks. But I went inside, and I was smoking a cigar, so I didn't want to have to go inside and come back out a few times. So I got a double, um, double Buffalo Trace with just a little ice, and I came back outside, and I said, "Here, try this." And he took a sip, and he goes. That's really good. And then he took another sip because, damn, that's good. And I looked at him. I said, a bottle of that is less than $30. He said, what? I said, yeah. It's, that's a great whiskey. I fell in love with bourbon about 12 years ago, and it was all because of it was an affordable luxury. And uh, that's the coolest thing about something like Buffalo Trace. It's an affordable luxury. What I love about everything you've talked about today, whether it's this Buffalo Trace or the Legacy Blended Canadian, is that... You've talked about your commitment, the company's, the distillery's commitment to quality, in the same way that guests we've had on from, you know, Glenn Morangy and Balvenie talk about it. And these guys are not selling twenty dollars bottles of whiskey. You know, it's it's really amazing and a huge credit to your company that you guys have this quality commitment at the price point that you have. 
tomatoes. And and I I would jump in there and say that one of the testaments to the craftsmanship is like you know at B and B we we don't carry a lot of I would say like more value discount whiskeys. Yeah, and the fact that like this has replaced like like one whole whiskey on my shelf. Like I mean I probably go through two three bottles of Legacy a week here. Wow, and you know it's a quality product. The Legacy is fantastic. The Buffalo Trace is fantastic. Just amazing complexity. And uh, we could talk about this for another three or four segments, but unfortunately, this is the last one, and we're just about out of time. So I do want to say, Brett, thank you so much for being on the show today and for bringing this amazing whiskey. And uh, Jeremiah, as always, it's a pleasure to be at B&B. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.